Has the winter season taken a toll on your tile, upholstery, carpet? Call Cyclone Cleaners, 570-726-6200. For all your carpet, upholstery, and ceramic tile cleaning needs, it's Cyclone Cleaners. Also offering odor treatment and soil and stain guard. Choose the only cleaning company that supplies the water to clean your home and disposes of it when they are finished. Call Cyclone Cleaners to schedule your cleaning today. 570-726-6200. Star Wars 7x7 episode 2970. Today it's the second half of my conversation with Kevin Scott. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So here's the rundown on Kevin again. Kevin is a New York Times best-selling author whose work includes novels, television, comic books, and award-winning audio dramas. He's written for a large number of high-profile series including Star Wars, Batman, Doctor Who, Assassin's Creed, Pacific Rim, Transformers, Back to the Future, Star Trek, Vikings, Adventure Time, and more. Amazing. And that's my, <laughs> that's my editorializing. Here's the rest of it. His creator-owned series include the supernatural spy thriller Shadow Service from Vault Comics and the Ward and Urban Fantasy medical drama that launched this June from Dark Horse Comics. Now, also, as I mentioned on yesterday's episode, this isn't necessarily timed to a release, right? When we have folks appear on the show, sometimes they are there because something of theirs in which they're involved, whether by you know writing or by performing, has just come out, and that's what we're talking about primarily. That's not the case with this, so we're digging into Kevin's process as an incredibly prolific creator, and we're also talking about High Republic stuff as well, reflecting on phase one and hinting at what's to come and you'll get more of that in this second half of the conversation today so let's get into it without further ado here's the rest of my conversation with Kevin Scott so when you spoke of flexibility earlier it does sound like based on you know your response there there's a lot of flexibility that's built into the overarching narrative of the high republic that allows you and the rest of the writers and creators to focus on characters and have them develop in a very natural way that also can still work within whatever the idea is for the overarching narrative yeah it was and that was part of the the plan right from the beginning so to borrow from another franchise that i've been involved with um in the past there are fixed points in time in in the high republic there are things that have to happen at certain points big galactic events and part of the thinking behind it was us thinking back to the original trilogy and thinking of you know the death star blows up in the first film spoilers sorry if you're not seen. <laughs> um, and that has ramifications for loads of different people over the galaxy and obviously when we saw the first film we have the ramifications for the people involved in storytelling since we've learned so many different stories and in modern canon you know we've had stories from both um imperial and rebel sides of what that one event meant and so we just kept thinking that you know at various points um and again, I don't want to get too spoilery um, for people who haven't been reading High Republic Phase 1, but the Republic Fair, which is the centerpiece of my, my novel, The Rising Storm, we knew that was going to be a big cataclysmic event for the galaxy. It was going to have ramifications for a lot of the storytelling. It was going to be the, um, well, it is the exciting instant, really, that sets off the High Republic in, in a lot of the cases or moves the story on. What we 
so that was baked in that was baked in right from the beginning there is a timeline when that had to happen there mm -hmm. what we didn't really set in stone except for a few of the major characters um was how every character responded to that or how you know so it gave us chance in the writing to have the freedom to let the characters um develop as as they did a point in that story would be um Elza Mann for me you know I knew Elza Mann was going to be involved in the Republic Fair I didn't quite know where his story was going to go in it when I sat down to start planning that novel so beforehand I knew he was going to be a major player I knew that him and Stalin were going to be the two main Jedi of the novel um I knew they were friends and that was as much I knew about their parts in that uh, in that um in that adventure at that point when I was sitting going right I need to start planning this this novel properly um, and again, I sort of knew where Stellan would end up. I knew Stellan would end up being like the po the poster boy of the Jedi. How does that work with with Elsa? Well, that came out of the writing and the planning and 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 the brainstorming on that particular um, novel, which then has had ramifications further on. And then again, Claudia, when she sat down to write the Fallen Star, and again, I give a bit of a spoiling war spoiler warning warning sorry for anyone who's not read that book one of the main characters does not make it out well quite a few characters don't make it out of that book but one of mm. the main main characters in the high republic um doesn't make it out of that book we didn't know that was going to happen at that point um that at that point we thought that character was continuing and it became obvious in the plan of the story that actually something needed to change and just like real life when a character in your life is taken away from you, what difference does that make to your life? That's what we decided to do with that novel. And now planning beyond the end of phase one, when we, you know, we are thick in the planning for, for phase three at the minute and sort of ramping up into writing it. Um, the ripples from that event at the end of the falling star are leading to so much better ideas that we had in the first place the 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 storytelling the character work how characters are reacting um none of that would be there if we hadn't have given ourselves the freedom to say what happens in this book and how does it change the um the ongoing story again we had to make sure the big event, I think everyone knows now, Falling Star, you know, a certain space station falls out of the, uh, falls out of the stars. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> that was always going to happen. The Again, the ramifications of who went down with it um, was something we gave ourselves the luxury to be able to work with. Um, and I think we're all pleased that it ended up the way it was i know some fans aren't <laughs> but, well you know that's that's <laughs> the way of storytelling um and i i can i will you know stand here hand on my heart and say hopefully you will realize when we get to phase three the difference that has made um for the characters and and that's the organic part of storytelling um that's the the opportunity it, it provides us with and I, I'm certain that the reaction is more about emotional investment than anything else, in which case then you have absolutely done your job and so have the rest of the writers in the whole initiative <laughs> for that. And you know, it just it strikes me how wonderful and surprising and beautiful it is. And of course it should work this way creatively, that you know, and thinking about Elzar Mann in specific. As you were describing your approach to The Rising Storm, it sounds like you didn't necessarily have in mind from the beginning that he was going to have a particular kind of dark turn. And again, not to do too spoilery a discussion of it, but, um, you know, it, I, oh, go yeah, ahead. I mean, I'd say we, I knew one of the things that was, it was baked into his character that he would 
brush up against the dark side. But mm. again, we didn't want to, and again, we didn't know how. One of the notes was that he couldn't become Anakin 2.0, you know, and so, and we really look, kept looking at that. And going into it, I knew at some point he had to brush up against the dark side. I, until I sat down and started to put, to plot that novel, I, I didn't quite know how he would cope with it. And so when I was, probably when I was sitting down writing it, I still wasn't quite sure. I knew what I needed him to do for the plot. Um, and that's when you get into the point where you're going, well, you don't want characters to do stuff because the plot's demanding it. And so I knew how he, he again, it's, it's almost like a smaller version of what I was talking about. There were fixed points in the story that something had to happen. He had to do something and this would be the outcome at the end. And so that's where I would leave him. How he reacted to that had to come through the writing. And as I hadn't written Elzar at that moment, I had to write myself into knowing who that character was. And the the it was, I think, when we get into the nitty gritty of it now, and again, sorry if this is spoilery to people, there is a moment where he does touch the dark side and what we've seen in Star Wars before, and again, I had the back of my mind, don't write Anakin, don't write Anakin, don't write Anakin. <laughs> Anakin would keep it secret. Anakin kept everything secret. I mean, that was the problem with Star Wars, you know, yes. people kept secrets. If mm -hmm. you just talked to Obi-Wan, perhaps we wouldn't have had Darth Vader. Um, you know, and if if the Order had just listened to people, perhaps we wouldn't have had Darth Vader. Um, so I, again, knowing that I didn't want to go that route, it, the suddenly it became very obvious that he's got this brilliant friend there and what do you do with a friend you go and ask him for help and so that was a real light bulb moment and that changed his trajectory in a way because it offered some hope which is obviously what you need in star wars it then i then had to think well if that's happening that's when i get you know i, I throw up the the luminous signal and say we need to talk because then i had to see what the ramifications of that moment would be later on in the line when we made the decision of what we were doing in Claudia and Claudia suggested what she was going to do in Fallen Star. And we all talked about that in so much detail. <laughs> One of the questions was, we've set up this relationship between Elzar and Stellan. What does it do to Elzar? And so that wouldn't have happened if I hadn't had that moment. I then had to go back and the, at the minute when you read the Rise and Storm, there's a prologue, which is Elzar starting to ask questions that didn't exist in the first draft it came from those moments when he asked um Stellan it was it, it was all about balancing that moment so oh. that's what we've tried to really bake into how we work is that ability to um to trust each other as well enough to turn around and say look we're thinking about this can can I do it um what does that mean and sometimes there is a very definite no you can't do that because that's <laughs> that's going to have too many ramifications down the line. You know, that's going to break things that we really need to happen. But 80% of the time, probably more, it's a case going, oh, that's a bit annoying. But actually, if we do this, that gives us something better. Um, so, yeah, that's been part of the the way the High Republic, um, even long before it became the High Republic, the way the team was set up was to have that um, built into the way we were working. Thank you so much for that additional insight. That's really amazing and awesome. Um, you've kind of opened the door to a phase three thing. And I think I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge that for our listeners and viewers, but I want to uh, roundly uh, and effectively shut the door on that because I don't think we're necessarily allowed to get into nope. 
that kind of talk. So I'm going to spin you back around to another process uh, thing that I was hoping to ask you about, which is the fact that you shared that music is a big part of your writing process. It helps to set a mood for yourself as you write. And I'm wondering, is this something that's always been part of your writing process or, you know, is it something that you came to over time and how have you refined your use of music as part of your process over time? I think originally it was a way of blocking out the world. Um, so when I was a, a journalist, we worked in big offices and you played music to try and focus in a way. I've actually gone the other way as as I now have worked, you know, by myself largely for a better part, well, more than a decade now. Mm. Um, that actually, I, I quite, I usually need silence to write in or the equivalent of silence. I quite often play like white noise or or, or or sort of various um the noise of of rain which at the minute has been wonderful to work with we, i don't know about over there we've been living through a heat wave that britain is not set up for um mm. so i've had rain playing all the time but just that you know that sort of barrier to babble in the background or noise in the background um but i so it used to it used to be music now it's just turned into a sort of white noise or ambient sound what i use music for is to change gears um so it's to get myself in the mood for a scene or if i'm doing that thing of jumping but jumping between projects and as you say I, I i don't just write star wars i write other things as well so i almost give different projects theme tunes so if i and and they're not necessarily a bit you know a with Star Wars, it is pretty simple because, you know, you just play a bit of John Williams and you're in the right mood you, <laughs> and you have to choose which type. Um, mm. But it's, uh, you know, if I'm starting off on um, one of my own series, um, Dead Sea is a series that I'm, I'm writing at the minute, which is coming out later on in the year. And there is a Star Wars link because Nick Brokenshire, the artist on Star Wars Adventures, who I work with, is the artist on this as well. That's yeah. a haunted, a haunted, um, haunted ship a uh, whole ghost ship kind of story um a sort of cross between beside adventure and haunting the hill house so ah. i play some haunting of hill house music um to to get myself in in the mood to write that and it, it and it is absolutely just a shorthand and it's sort of something clicks in my brain and goes all right so you're not thinking about um laser swords today you're thinking about you know <laughs> lost souls um and so yeah and it depends and it, it depends on the on the you know on the project um Tempest Runner, I can't remember the exact track, but there was a sort of instrumental metal piece that I I, I used to sort of get into, into Lorna's head, which is a terrifying place. Um, mm. The minute, I think everyone is knows by now that phase two for me, um, for the comic happens on Jeddah. So very coincidentally, and thank you so much, Mondo, they produced the big, um, the, a big soundtrack album, which is all the music from Rogue One. So that's become the way that I, I get myself into the mood to write to write um the comic book so yeah so it's it's not during writing it, it, it can it's more a gear change as i said it can be if i get stuck and i need to think about um think about um, a plot point or a character point then that's when the music goes on but the actual writing itself is usually in pretty much silent Got it. And I, I will ask you one last sort of High Republic question, if I may, which is, do you have an idea of what Jackson's ancestors are doing <laughs> during the time of the High Republic? Absolutely. <laughs> um, and I have a feeling by your one word answer, that is as far as we're going to go with it. Yep, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Kevin Scott, thank you so much for your incredible generosity with your time and your insights. Uh, for anybody who wants to 
continue finding out what you are up to, whether it's Star Wars related or anything else you're working on, how should people continue to follow you on your journey? Um, my website is a good place to start, which is cavernscott.com. Um, and then on Twitter, where I spend far too much time, I <laughs> am at, at cavernscott. Um, and yeah, and that gives you the idea of everything I'm doing for Star Wars that I can talk about. Um, my other projects like um, Dead Seas and um, what else have I got in a minute? And um, The Ward, which is basically an ER, ER with monsters. Most of my stuff is this with monsters because I worked out a long time ago that every story is better with a monster in it. Um, <laughs> And obviously work I'm doing for DC Comics, I'm writing Titans and Black Adam and things at the minute. So um, that's all to be found at those places. Excellent. And I will link to them at the blog post for the show's episode at SW7x7.com and also in the show notes as well. Kevin Scott, thank you again for joining me on Star Wars 7x7. It's such a pleasure to be talking with you again and at length as well. Thank you. Yeah, no, and you know, I've, we've all appreciated the support you've given us um, on your podcast. Um, and while I can't say I listen to it every day, you know, y- y- your voice does pop up in my house quite a lot every week. So, you know, I, I do binge the, um, the show quite regularly. Oh, that's very kind of you to say. Thank you so much. No worries at all. You know, I think that's what I, the joy of what we do now. I, I, I started off writing fiction through things like old-fashioned fanzines, literally you know, photocopied fanzines went through through the post. I think what we've got now in, you know, podcasts and YouTube channels and all those kind of things, they're the modern versions of, of fanzines that we all grew up with. Um, but I think the great thing about it now is the interaction and the fact that we're all in the same sandpit. And I think that has challenges, but also I think the benefits outweigh, outweigh them all. So yeah, thank you so much for what you do. Um, it really is appreciated. And there you go. That was my conversation with Kevin Scott, who is the author of so many incredible works across so many different franchises. It's crazy, but probably most significantly, and for which he's most well-known in the Star Wars world right now, his work on The High Republic. And that is going to do it for this episode of the show. It just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited by their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the Force be with them. All original content is copyright 2021 by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.